Welcome back to the Creator Club podcast. Today, I am bringing you a hot off the presses interview show with my friend Miriam Morales. I got to know Miriam through Instagram, and we have kind of become internet friends who have actually gotten the chance to meet in person. I know, imagine that, getting to hang out with people in person. We met up when I was in New York City in February before the pandemic really started, and I just feel so honored that I got to meet her in person because she is such a cool and talented person. So I am very pumped to share our conversation with you today. Miriam is an actor and content creator. And in this episode, we're going to be chatting about her journey, becoming an actor and how she started on that journey as a child and how she's continued it to now with perseverance and resilience and passion. We're going to hear about the behind the scenes of being on a Netflix show because my girl Miriam got her dream role on Orange is the New Black, and you're going to want to hear about how she envisioned that for years before actually getting the role. It's an amazing story. In addition to that, Miriam is also a content creator, and she talks about everything from skincare to beauty and fashion. You're definitely going to want to follow her on Instagram and every other platform after you hear this because she has a lot of cool stuff to share. So keep on listening. Do not hit that pause button because you are going to want to hear today's conversation with the amazing, the beautiful, the talented Miriam Morales. Let's dive into it. Welcome to the Creator Club podcast. I'm your host, Katie Steckley, YouTube creator and creative entrepreneur. The Creator Club podcast is a workshop style show dedicated to teaching creators and entrepreneurs the best strategies for social media marketing and content creation. Whether you're into Instagram, creating on YouTube, trying TikTok or producing podcasts, this show is made for you. And because here at Creator Club, we believe in teaching everything you know, and the community is more important than competition, this club is open to everyone. Come and join us. All right, Miriam, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you on the Creator Club podcast. I feel like we have been internet friends for a really long time and then we finally got to meet in person in February which was amazing and now we're here doing this podcast so thank you so much for joining me thank you so much for asking me to be a guest um when you reached out to me if there was anyone that was going to be a guest on their podcast it was you (laughs) so when you reached out I'm like Oh, well, I am just so glad that you're giving me some of your time today so we can chat about you and your creative journey. Yes, I'm excited to dive in. So to get started, do you want to just introduce yourself, what you do and like, you know, no big deal, but just tell us your life story, basically. (laughs) Let's just start with the creative side of it. So you're an actor, you're a content creator. I'd love to hear like what started that journey for you and then what have been some of your major milestones along the way? Awesome. Okay. So hello, listeners. My name is Miriam. I am an actor and I'm a content creator, as Katie mentioned, and I'm based in New York City. I have been acting since I was a kid. I started doing church plays and that's when I knew that it's what I wanted to do. I didn't know that it was called acting. I just knew whatever this is, this this is it for me and so i've always done whatever i could to get experience i did the church plays the school plays i would look in the penny saver and just see what was going on in the community um anything that i saw that involved me going into the city i would beg my parents to take me 
And my first big audition was when I was in middle school. I think I was like 12 or 13. And it was for the show Ghost Rider. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it was a pretty big show here on like our local channel PBS. And um, I just remember leaving school early and being super excited and all my classmates like, oh my God, good luck. This is so exciting. And I didn't know anything about the industry. So I showed up to this audition without a headshot <laughs> and without a resume. And um, clearly I didn't get the part, but that was my first real experience auditioning. And it's something that I just, I've always, I've always done. And when you are in this business and you don't, you don't have anyone to really guide you. I didn't have any connections. My parents didn't have any connections. You make a lot of mistakes. You lose a lot of money on things and people that um, you really don't need. And so I learned the hard way to be very cautious about where I put my time and money. And, mm. um, yeah, and so when you don't, and also when you don't have representation, a lot of it is is on your own. We have casting websites and newspapers, so I would self-submit myself to projects, audition, whatever I got I did. Plays, web series, short films, indie films, feature films. I, I did it all. And what a lot of people don't know is that when you're in that stage of your journey, you don't get paid. Mm, so mm-hmm. I've done a lot of things that I didn't get payment for. I've done a lot of things that I've never even seen because, you know, you don't get a copy of your work, even though you're supposed to. And that's that's part of the journey. But things shifted for me once I had a manager and I started going out for more legit TV film stuff. And my first real booking was Law & Order. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was just, you know, I always... I've always visualized what I wanted. I'm huge on visualization and vision boards. And I approached it from a very like business mindset, which they don't teach you that when you go to acting school, they're just teaching you technique. They're not teaching you how to handle yourself as a business, how to brand yourself and all of that. So I had to do my research and I was very meticulous. (laughs) Whatever shows I wanted to be on, I looked up who the casting director was and I had pictures on my vision board of that show and I would tell my manager what I wanted to do and who I wanted to meet and you know the types of projects that I wanted um to be on and that's basically how it's been and you know it's a lot of auditioning and a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's part of the journey (laughs) yeah totally and I think like what's so amazing about you is like, you're clearly very driven. You have this clear goal of like, this is what I want to do. And you're resilient at the same time, because you almost have to be in that industry. Because like you're saying, like, there's lots of rejections. There's lots of like scammers by the sound of it. Like people that are kind of taking advantage of the fact that so many people have that, that goal and that dream. So you've had to become very resilient and very clear on your, on your goal to like navigate through that. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And if you don't have a mentor, oh, forget about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I realized um, later, later on, because I didn't, I didn't have a choice. It's not like I had people around me, but I realized the importance of having at least one person that is in the business in some capacity uh, that can, that can guide you because if not, it's, it's hard, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And um 
Yeah, I mean, now I feel like if anyone is coming into it, they have somewhat of an advantage because you have you have such a resource with the internet and the books that have been written and all the websites that are offering you advice. So uh, whenever whenever someone comes to me for advice and pursuing this business, I always I always tell them like, do your research. You your the journey of learning never stops, and it's not just learning the business as an actor it's just learning period mm-hmm. do your research look at reviews and make sure that whatever it is that you're looking to invest in is actually worth it mm-hmm. and I think what you were mentioning earlier too is interesting that even if you go to acting school they're teaching you the technique you're they're teaching you like how to do the actual sort of creative like artistic side of it but there's this whole business side that you either need to get a mentor or try to teach yourself which that sounds like pretty intimidating, but you know what? It's kind of like similar to any creative field where you go to school for, let's say like graphic design or video or whatever. They kind of teach you the technique of the art, but they don't teach you the business of it. So it sounds like that was kind of a learning curve for you to figure out. Yeah. As you, as I went on, you know, certain things became through people asking you questions like, Hey, do you have a headshot? And I was like, Oh, I guess I should get a headshot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I need a resume. Okay. What's the format of a resume? What do I put on Mm -hmm. a resume? Oh, I don't have work. So I got to go out and audition and book something so I can put work. And then you learn like, how do I join the union? And how much is that? And again, it's when you go to acting school, as an actor, you're like, I can do it all. I can do comedy and I can do drama and I can do this. Shakespeare, you can do it all. And what they don't tell you is that the industry isn't going to look at you as someone that can do it all. They're, mm. you, and that's a, that was very difficult for me to accept. I was super resistant to that. Mm-hmm. I was just a good, you know, I, di- I didn't want to be typecast. Yeah. And I remember after I went to conservatory, I did a program out in LA and I was very upset <laughs> at the stuff that they were giving me to do. Yeah. And it was always like this New Yorker and I was like yeah. this attitude and the, you know, whatever. And I was like, no, but I'm so much more than that. And yeah. I wanted, you know, and uh, they told me, I had someone tell me like, look, honey, you just need to get your foot in. So just accept mm. the typecasted roles. And then when you're in, you can break out. And for years, for years, I was resistant to that. And then finally, I kind of like loosened up a little bit because, you know, you need experience. You have to, you have to find your way in and then change the narrative once you have a foot in a toe a toe exactly (laughs) a toe in the door and I feel like that is that's such a struggle for like I think any actor getting started is like oh you're kind of you have a niche that you're like known for but I can imagine that it's probably like that is just accentuated more like being a woman of color and people kind of being like oh well you can do this one thing but you know not really anything else and obviously that sucks like so much it's terrible but then it's like how much do you accept that just in order to get yourself in so you can start changing perceptions like yeah it's very difficult and it still happens yeah you know it's it's it still happens because the gatekeepers are all the same type of people that hasn't changed and that's what needs to change if we want to see the representation uh that we want on tv and in films they would need people of color black Mm -hmm. indigenous um you know people of color behind the scenes doing the casting doing the writing doing the finance the marketing everything or else Mm -hmm. it's going to stay the same 
Yeah, exactly. So that kind of brings me to like the other side of what you do, because as much as it can be so difficult because like the world of TV and movies is such a big, like huge industry, it's hard to like change what's going on at the top in the world of the internet and being a content creator, you can kind of create representation for yourself by going out and starting that YouTube channel, making the Instagram account. So I'm curious, what has your journey been as a content creator? What inspired you to start making the content that you do online? Was it partially like wanting to create that representation or was there other motivation as well? Yeah, that it was definitely a part of it, wanting to carve my own space out. And a lot of it just had to do with me want I needed another outlet that was creative but that wasn't acting that mm-hmm. I could just have fun with and that was mine that mm-hmm. I created that I owned and it was independent on anyone else and I had my professional website uh, acting website and I always saw from my peers and other people that had acting websites they had a blog portion And I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to blog. I want to write. I want to share my journey. And then I quickly realized, like, I didn't want to talk about acting. I just Mm -hmm. didn't. I didn't want to talk about it anymore. Uh, There's so many ups and downs. And when things weren't happening, I just felt like, well, what am I going to write about? I haven't had an audition in six months. Um, And then one, one night of internet browsing, I discovered Dulce Candy. I discovered her blog and then I discovered her YouTube and I was like, well, this is cool. She's like, well, fashion and beauty. And I love that. I want to do that. So then I started incorporating that into my website stuff. Um, And I started a whole separate blog and I always had everything separate. I had my professional acting site and I had my blog for the fun stuff. And I just loved writing about other things that I enjoyed. I love beauty and skincare and makeup. And I liked to talk about things that I didn't really see anyone talking about on the internet. And I felt like this was my place. And I, another dream of mine was to work at a magazine. And I was like, well, why do I have to wait until I work at a magazine to talk about these things? And why do I have to wait until Oprah interviews me? <laughs> yeah. let, me just, let me put my let me put my thoughts out there into the world. Um, but then after I after I booked Orange is the New Black, I decided to merge everything together because it was just so much easier to have one website, one social media account. Because having two of everything was be, was becoming a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I just loved, I loved creating content. And the YouTube thing came about because once again, once I discovered Dulce Candy and she's like the OG of beauty YouTubers, mm-hmm. I was like, what is this YouTube thing? It was like 2009 or something like that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. And I was just fascinated. I was like, wow, how do you edit? How do you, how do you do anything? And I spent years just watching, just mm-hmm watching other people's videos. And then it was something that I thought about, but I had such a busy nine to five that I, I couldn't wrap my head around creating content. Mm-hmm. And then I worked at a YouTube MCN managing channels and I was like, wow, this is a lot. I don't know if I could do this. But then one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to wait? And sure, I don't, I don't know how to edit, but I'll learn. And exactly. every day I just worked on something. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think like, I relate to so much of what you said in that I, first of all, I think it's important to be able to have a creative outlet outside of your main thing. Like even if you are, if you're trying to pursue some sort of artistic path as your career, I feel like 
those of us who are like creative types, we need to always have something that's just for fun, just for our own like passion. And then I feel like as time goes on, it's like you develop your thing as a hobby and then, oh, that becomes a business too. So then, okay, now I need a different hobby again. But like, you're obviously passionate about acting, but I totally get that. Like, you're like, I don't want to talk about this all the time. I want to be able to talk about other things that I'm passionate about. So then you can start the blog or the YouTube channel or whatever. And then it allows you to explore that passion without feeling like you're stuck in this like really certain box. Exactly. Because I felt stuck in a box for a long time as an actor, of course, but also just as a creative person. And we as human beings, regardless of what your creative passions are, or just what you do, you know, for work, we are multi-passionate, we're multi, we're layered, we're not just Mm -hmm. one thing. And I hated having two worlds. It was like Miriam the actor, and then it was like Miriam the blogger. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and I, I hated that. I hated that people would say, oh, this is an actor turned blogger or blogger turned actor. And I always say, no, I'm just a creator. Yeah. Which, you know, the acting obviously came first. I was a mm-hmm. kid, but I've always had that creative spirit in me. And for me, it's just like, no, I'm just a creator and I'm putting out what I enjoy. Mm -hmm, Totally. And I feel like, you know, throughout the history of your acting career, like especially, you know, let's say like 10 years ago or whatever, I think people would think of it as like, oh, you're a blogger or you're an actor. But I think now it actually makes a lot of sense to be both. Like we see a lot of people in traditional, like sort of the entertainment industry, like especially models, they almost need to be social media famous in order to be successful as well. And do you feel like it's kind of becoming that way with actors too, that you kind of need to be like an quote unquote influencer? like in addition to like your acting work? I think that um, I love how you phrase that because an important distinction in the acting world is they don't use the word influencer. Mm. They just see it as you have to have a social media presence. And there is a full, I'd be lying if I told you that there wasn't a focus on followers because there is. Yeah. They mean that they may not call it influencing, but there is a focus on, having this online platform with a lot of followers. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it's, in a way, I think it's great because it's an opportunity for people to express themselves and connect with fans and, you know, just have a more, more connection with the community. But then there's this other side of it that I think gives people a false perception of what it's really like to be in this business and that it's super easy and you just need a lot of followers and, and, you know, this quick success, like, you know, overnight fame type of thing. And that's just not how it is. And I think that causes a lack of respect for the industry Mm -hmm. um, because it is, it is a lot of work and it's not just about, it's not just about followers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I think like looking from the outside in, it can be easy to like glamorize certain things or be like, oh yeah, like you're just like famous on Instagram or whatever. So of course like this or that would happen for you. But I think the, the truth is like there is no such thing as an overnight success truly. Like people will always like they'll become aware of you and they'll be like, oh, I didn't know about you yesterday and I know about you today. So you must have gotten famous overnight or whatever. But it's like there's actually years and years involved in, in finding success. And I'm sure that would be true for like anybody that's in acting. Yes, com- I completely agree with you. I mean, I think it's just a term that we've heard like in the media yeah. and we just, we say it without really thinking about, well, what is an overnight success? What does that truly entail? 
Mm-hmm. Well, it's a lot of pitfalls. It's a lot of mm-hmm. failures. It's a lot of, you know, it's like being a content creator. You put out these awesome videos, right? But no one sees you actually doing the work of creating that video, the research that goes into it. And you may attempt to shoot a video five, six times before we see the final product. It's the same thing with acting. No one sees the prep that we do, the hours that we spend learning lines and looking for the right shirt to wear or learning an accent and going to rehearsals and all the projects that we do that no one sees because no one cares about it. You know, no one cares about some little tiny 10 minute movie somewhere. You know, we think of the big stuff, like what's on TV, what's on Netflix, what's people need something tangible uh, Mm -hmm. for it to seem real to them. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And I think that's something that like we all kind of battle against in different industries is just trying to like break through to the mainstream because there's always going to be stuff that's lesser known and then, you know, stuff that is like more like a household name or whatever. So speaking of like the behind the scenes of acting, I am super curious and I'm sure many people listening are as well. What is the actual process of like auditioning for getting on and like being a part of a show on Netflix because it seems very like mysterious and glamorous to me I'm like oh like a Netflix show like it must just be like the coolest thing ever so I'd love to know like is it as cool as we probably all imagine it to be or like what does it actually look like so the process of getting on a Netflix show or any legit show is you you definitely need representation you need a manager you need an agent because that's that's where the casting notices are going to go. And usually your rep submits you for something and then, then you get an appointment. So I don't always know what they're submitting me for unless they tell me in advance because they need something. But I was a fan of the show since the very first season. And that was on my vision board. And I would oh. tell my manager all the time, all the time, I said, I'm, I'm going to be on Orange is the New Black. <laughs> I love that. And she, and she was always like, no, you're more this. And I was like, no, I'm not. I am orange is the new black. <laughs> I said I it. I love that. <laughs> and ironically enough, when I was working at the YouTube network, I, I managed a channel. It was called One, Two, Three, Uno, Dos, Tres. And we did a Hispanic Heritage Month type of thing, a Google Hangout with the Latino cast of Orange is the New Black. Oh, cool. And the two don't have anything to do with each other. I didn't get that from that. It's just, it was, I don't know, it was like a weird, it's a weird way how things, yes, it just, it all kind of worked out. But I was a fan since the very, very beginning. And, um, and yeah, it's something that I, every season, every time it came out, and I would binge watch it. I would text my manager and tell her, why didn't I go in for this season? I should have gone in for that season. I'm supposed to go. I'm, I'm going to be on the show. Every time, I, this is what I said to her. My first audition for the show was maybe like a year later. I was working at NBC at the time. And I remember like leaving work during my lunch break <laughs> to go audition for Words is a New Black. And um, everyone was like super excited. And one of my coworkers was texting me. He was like, I'm so happy for you. You can be on Orange is the New Black and all this stuff. And I was like, well, I, I didn't book anything. It was just an audition. Like you never know. It was like super like two lines or something like that. And I said to him, when I book Orange is the New Black, I'm going to have a name. My character will have a name. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be on the show, like, yeah. for more than two episodes. You're going to know. Yes. <laughs> and 
then six months later, or maybe like a year later or something like that, uh, I got a text message from my manager and she was like, how tall are you? And I said, I'm five feet. And she was like, no, you're not. Because when I met you for the first time, I was, I remember standing next to you and I was taller than you. You're not five feet. I'm like, okay, whatever. Like, what do you, what do you need my height for? Yeah. And she was like, well, I just got a breakdown for orange is the new black and they need a short person. I was like, uh, hello, submit me. Why are you texting me this? <laughs> and I got my appointment. I had very short notice to prep. That's just typically how it is. You have a day, maybe two to prep. And I met with an acting coach just to work on the material, which was super, super short. And um, I met with her like a few hours before my audition. And I just remember like working with her for like an hour or two, running home, changing, going downtown, being super nervous. It was like a hot summer day. And I was so nervous because this was my dream show. Yeah. And I got there early and I was in the bathroom and I was like, doing breathing exercises and just trying to calm myself. And I just had to remember what people always say. If you do the prep work, like you're fine. You have to learn to just let it go and trust that the work is there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I just went in and I, I did the scenes. I, I didn't think that I booked it because as an actor, you're always told TV is very fast. And if you don't hear by the next day, then you probably didn't get it. So I thought I didn't get it. And I spent the weekend crying, eating ice cream on my couch. And then by that Monday, I found out that I booked it. And it was, everything was so fast. Then you're like, you're going to the studio and you're getting your wardrobe fitting. And they're trying to figure out what to do with your hair and how your makeup is going to be and like all this stuff. And it was just, it was really fast. And I didn't know it was going to be, I was going to be on there for two seasons. I thought at the very least two episodes. And it was the most exciting thrilling challenging experience ever and I learned so much and I know that I'm gonna take those lessons with me to the next show I do and the next Mm -hmm. movie and you know whatever project but it was it's exciting yeah it's very exciting that is so cool I like what a whirlwind and I just love that like this was like your dream for so long. Like you knew you were going to do it. And then it just came down to like having the right opportunity, being there, crushing the audition. And then, and then you got it. I would love to hear more about like, this was a show that you were a fan of. You were dreaming of being on it. So what was it like to actually be there on set? Like, was it kind of like, I don't know, like surreal to like be there with like the cast or whatever and just feel like, Oh gosh, I'm actually here. Yes. Well, something that a lot of people don't know is that, if, if you don't have a scene with a character, you don't see them. Mm. So um, for a long time, I didn't see a lot of the bigger, you know, uh, uh, actors. Mm-hmm. You know, and because I, I just didn't have scenes with them. If I saw yeah. them, it would be in passing and it wasn't always the opportunity to be like, you know, it's like you're so excited, but you don't want to come across as like that cheese ball. <laughs> so yeah, because you're trying to be like, a professional. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But my first day, I mean, my first, oh, it was, and, uh, my mind just blanked and this is so embarrassing. Oh, no worries. Um, the director, um, the guy that was in Mannequin, oh my God, why can't I remember that? It's so bad. But I, I was a fan of him growing up and I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. He's directing me. And 
you know, it's, it's, it's definitely nerve wracking. It is definitely surreal. And I was like, I am on the set of the show that I've been watching for three seasons. This is insane. And you just want to do good. Like, honestly, everyone has like, there's a sense of family with everyone. There's a familiarity there that everyone's comfortable with each other. And everyone's so talented. I just wanted to come in and do good work. (laughs) I just Mm. wanted to live up to the standard that they, that they had. And it, it was definitely like a pinch me moment. Like, did this, did this day even really happen? Every day was like that. I would just come yeah. home and I'm like, I just worked on set <laughs> of my yeah. favorite show. Oh my God. <laughs> that is so cool. Did you have any like, I don't know, processes or like sort of warm up, like get the vibe going kind of thing when you would like, you know, start your day to try to get in like the mindset? of the character yeah or just like getting ready to do your best work like you were saying like you're so ready to like I gotta do my best so how do you get yourself in the zone to do your best I'm really big on morning routines like it's really important for me to have a positive morning routine so I have to I have to meditate and I have to journal and I have to do my gratitude and stretch and all that stuff and then once I'm actually on set um I like to run lines with my scene partner, whoever that is. And usually if I, if I have done my morning routine, I feel prepared. I feel less anxious. I feel more ready to like take on the day, whatever's thrown at me. So making sure that I've, I've done my morning routine is the main thing that mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to do to do my best as well as sleep. I have to sleep. I don't go out the night before an audition, the night before a shoot, I don't do it. I don't care what it is. I do not mm-hmm. go out. I, I know myself. I need my sleep. I need to feel like I've, you know, prepared and I'm not rushing and I'm not like, you know, foggy in the brain. <laughs> yes, exactly. I think that makes so much sense. Just having like a good routine that kind of grounds you and like makes you feel prepared more than anything. Even if you're like, you know, not any more prepared just because you like did your stretching or whatever. It's like you feel ready to take it on. And I think it's just about getting into that right mindset and having those little rituals that we go through to like help us get to that place. Yeah, completely agree. So shifting gears to the content creation side of things, a lot of content creators have to be like a jack of all trades. Like we both do Instagram, blogging, YouTube, like that kind of thing. That's a lot of different stuff that you have to learn how to do. And you mentioned before when you were considering starting YouTube, you're like, I don't know how to edit videos, but I'll learn. And I think a lot of content creators have that point of view. So I'm curious, like throughout your journey being a content creator, how have you like learned those new skills that are like, okay, I need to know how to do this if I want to do this thing, uh, but I have no idea where to start. What kind of like process do you have when you're approaching something brand new like that? And how have you been able to like teach yourself to do those things? Or have you ever like outsourced stuff if you didn't know how to do it? Yeah. If I didn't know how to do something, I went to Google. Yes. And I read a lot. Yes, Google's Google Academy. I yes. need my diploma. <laughs> I went to Google and I just read a lot of articles and I tried to I tried to figure it out. And when I first started down this social media journey, it, on, Facebook and Twitter were the only things that were out at the time. Mm-hmm. And Twitter for me was very fun, but I didn't approach it from a creator business mindset. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was working at an advertising agency and they had this affiliation with 
uh, kind of like a school here in New York, it's called General Assembly. And we were allowed to take classes for free as long as they were under like a certain amount. And so what I did was I would take classes there and I would mm. learn about social media and what is a tween? How do you compose this? And I just learned like the very basics of social media and Google analytics and community management and digital marketing. And so every time a new app came out, I just, I just dove right in. The best learning that you can do is just to do it yourself mm-hmm. and figure out what you like, how, how do you like to create content and what is, what is your online personality going to be? And I just, that's just what I did. It was Google and YouTube. And if I didn't know how to do something, that's where I went. Or I, I asked someone that knew if they could just give me the bare bones. And then I went in and I played and, and I fig- and I figured it out. And that's, that's what you need to do sometimes. Yeah, totally. I love how like you've been on this journey of like, like social media marketing, digital content creation for like, kind of like the whole history of social media. Like you were saying, when you first started, it was just Facebook and Twitter and things have changed like a lot since then. So I'm curious, like what are some of the biggest things you've seen like shifting and what parts of that are you like excited about versus like, is there anything that you're like, Oh, I miss the old days of social media. Mm. Wow. You know, I do miss the old days of social media sometimes (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) where it was just more fun and it was more, there was like less of this pressure to, to put on, Mm -hmm. you know, like even as authentic as you can be online, there's still this underlying pressure to present yourself in a certain way. And social media back then was just fun. You didn't have to think about anything. There weren't these rules and tips and had you know rule of thirds and pictures and yeah. all of these things it was like you you just you did it for fun um I so I do miss that aspect of it a lot you mm-hmm. know I feel like it's less um it's less there's it's less pressure it's less of the comparison mm-hmm. you know it's just it's truly from a place of enjoyment mm-hmm. and 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 yeah, it's changed a lot. It's crazy how quickly platforms are monetized and how everything is about, once again, the followers that you have yeah. and how can you monetize this and ads. And and I think that it's very easy as a content creator to get caught up in that world, um, even if you don't want to go down that route. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very easy to get caught up in that. And I think sometimes we lose our sense of self um, in the process of trying to, I don't even know what the word is, you know, just trying to, to have a presence online. Yeah, I think we, we forget here, we forget our heart, we forget what's important to mm-hmm. us in this pursuit because it all becomes about the numbers and engagement and how many followers you have and how many comments and and all that is is important. I'm not saying that it isn't, especially if you want to make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. I just think it's unfortunate that that becomes more important than the real stuff, like the things that give you longevity. Mm-hmm. I feel like back in the day before people got too concerned about metrics or whatever, it was very carefree. It was all new. And that's because like there was no professionalism. There was no business associated with it. But now it really is an entire industry. Whereas in the past, when it first got started, it was just like young people like finding a new way to communicate using the internet, basically. And now it's like a complete 
industry of trying to to build a business, which is great. Like it is awesome that you can like grow an Instagram and turn it into a business for yourself, but it can be really hard, especially when you are like an artistic creative person and you just want to create stuff that you love because it's, it's very hard to not get into that like comparison game. Yes, I completely agree. And another thing um, is that when there are new platforms coming out, usually there are no rules. And I always tell people just jump in. Like when Periscope first came out, I was like, jump in, do something, go, go live before everyone comes in and tries to make it a business and starts giving you all these rules and do this first, you know, just go in and have fun. And the last time I felt that excited was when Instagram announced IGTV. I was so excited for IGTV. I was like, this is a great opportunity for creative people, actors, singers, musicians, comedians, you could do a show. Like my mind was just, mm-hmm. I, was like, this, we, I have to do something before it changes. Cause you know, there's going to come a point where something about it changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no algorithm for IGTV. You could put as many hashtags, you could change the hashtags. There were mm-hmm. no rules. And I was so excited. I remember texting a couple of my friends like, Hey, we got to do an IGTV show. And they were like, what what is that what is igtv and i had explained to them what igtv was and how yeah. it works and they're like but who's on there I'm like it doesn't matter we need to jump in now before everybody else jumps in and then it becomes saturated and yeah. then it, like i was so excited and no one was excited about it no yeah. one was excited about it and then i realized i'm like okay i think they're trying to compete with youtube if i'm going to be on igtv i should have a strategy because they're gonna they're gonna monetize it and sure enough here we are IGTV is going to be monetized. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I feel like when you have, yeah, when you have that like long term, like you've been in this world for a long time, so you can kind of see those things coming almost like at the time you knew this is going to be big and like eventually it's going to become, you know, monetized. It's going to be part of the whole industry. You can kind of see these things coming like before they even happen just because it's so cyclical, like the same thing kind of happens on each platform. Yes. And then having worked behind the scenes at ad agencies and, and networks and YouTube networks, there are certain sources that I, you know, became friendly with and, and online platforms where I would read. And that's what I always tell people, you know, if you want to learn anything, just do a quick Google search. There's so many websites out there to help you stay ahead of the curve and really gain some insight into what is coming and you can prepare yourself. And it's great as a content creator because you can kind of have a leg up before anyone else. And so that's just how I, to this day, that's how I continue to educate myself. Mm-hmm. And I just take what I, what I read and what I learn and I take the bits and pieces that make sense for my life and I apply it because I know in this industry, things change so quickly and if you are not in it from the get-go and crafting yourself and your strategy and your techniques and your creation process and all of that, then it can feel very overwhelming very quickly. Mm-hmm. And then you stop because mm-hmm. you feel stuck, you know? Yeah, exactly. I feel like it's just always about being ready to learn new things and experiment and not be like overwhelmed by it. So Speaking of all this content creation stuff, we've now reached the portion of the show where I've got a list of my curious slash like nosy questions about your process as a creator. So it's a bit of a rapid fire round and you can choose to take as long as you want on each. It doesn't have to be a rapid response, but it's just some short questions because I'm always really curious about your favorite ways to create. So the first question is, what camera do you use for your photos and videos? 
my cameras that I use for photos and videos is the Sony A5000, which is the very, very first model in the Alpha Love series. It. Yes. <laughs> it was the only one I could afford at the time. And I also have the Canon M50. I'm lucky enough to have a boyfriend that's a photographer, videographer. Mm -hmm. So he has the fancier DSLRs. So he takes my picture sometimes on those. But for mm -hmm. my stuff, that's what I use. Awesome. And what software do you use to edit those photos and videos? So for videos, I use a combination of iMovie and Final Cut Pro, which is new to me. I've only been using them for a year because I'm, I'm a newbie to the Mac world. I'm a PC girl. So oh, I gotcha. Started off, yes, I started off with Sony Vegas because that was a program that my Classic. laptop came with. <laughs> and that's how I learned. And then uh, once I was on a Mac, then I played with iMovie for a really long time and then I finally was able to get Final Cut Pro and then for pictures if I'm editing something super quick online for a blog post I like to use PicMonkey mm -hmm. or iPicky or Lightroom awesome and on my phone I like to edit I have several that I use I like to use an app called Beauty Plus because it, it cleans up your picture very nicely without you looking like too airbrushed and fake mm -hmm. And then I bring that into Lightroom Mobile. That's what I like to use right now. Love it. I love your story about Sony Vegas too, because I also like learned computers on a PC, but now I have a Mac. So I actually never really learned how to use iMovie because when I was a kid, I would use Windows Movie Maker. And yes. then, yeah. And then I learned um, Premiere Pro is what I use. And then I just still use Premiere Pro on a Mac. But I love that. Um, That's my dream to learn yeah. Premiere Pro. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, Final Cut Pro is also a great program. So, yeah. so speaking of apps and software, do you have any go-to apps for like organization, to-do list, scheduling, or are you kind of like a handwritten like journal kind of person? I'm more of a handwritten person just to like for the purposes of brain dumping I remember things better when I write them down because I'm a psycho and I will write things in certain colors and use highlighters oh and yeah so everything has a color and if I write it down then I remember it but then it is obviously easier to have things in an app because you have your phone with you all the time yeah I like to use um I've used Trello in the past but Asana has been my OG since before I've used it at, you know, my, my former nine to five job. So I like Asana. I like Google keep. I like, um, uh, th those are probably, those are the primary ones that I like to use for organization. Did you, you mentioned scheduling as well, like scheduling my content. Yeah. So, or scheduling your life, whatever. Google calendar. If yeah. it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist and it's not going to happen. Yep. <laughs> it has to be a Google calendar. I've used, I feel like I've tried every Instagram scheduling app oh, you yeah. can possibly think of. And uh, the one that I like the best is Planoly, but even that I'm very particular. I like, I don't like my pictures to get cut off. I don't like my formatting to change and I just haven't found something that keeps it consistent. So if I know that I'm not going to be available for whatever reason, and I absolutely need to have something scheduled, I will use Planoly, but I just prefer to do it myself. Mm -hmm. And for YouTube, I use YouTube to schedule the videos for mm -hmm. Facebook. I use the native because I know yeah. with how Facebook is now, they're not the best with like third party stuff. Yeah. Um, so I prefer to, to do that that way. Mm. 
Awesome. Well, thanks for giving me an insight into your creative process. I'm always so curious. So easing out of the rapid fire questions, I kind of have one last like big question for you. And that is if you could time travel and go back to like your younger self, kind of at the beginning of your acting journey, is there any advice that you would want to give to her? Like, what would you say in terms of encouragement or something that you've learned along the way um, that you would share with your former self or also just somebody who is kind of at that same stage in their journey right now? Wow, Katie, you're just really going to put me on the spot, huh? <laughs> I know I leave like the heaviest hitting question for last. Feel free to take your time and think about it. Wow, I've learned so much the hard way. And if there's anything that I can tell my former self, that in a lot of ways it's telling myself now. Yeah. Uh, as an adult is to just keep going. Mm-hmm. because when you're on a path that's so it's it's non-traditional and people truly don't understand it even the people that love you will have the best intentions but you really need to learn who are the people that are coming from a place of really good intentions and who are the people that weren't courageous enough to follow their dreams you have to learn to differentiate that and no matter what, you have to absolutely believe in yourself and trust your instincts because that is your inner guide. And you mm-hmm. have to learn to silence the noise of the outside world so you can truly listen to your voice. And the way things are now in this world, that is very difficult to do. You have to find a process that is going to allow you to do that because your instincts never lie. I can't tell you how many people have advised me to stop with the acting stick with the digital media stuff. You're really smart. You're this, you're that. But I felt it in my gut. I was like, I meant to do this. So I have to keep going. And I'm so glad that I did. Mm-hmm. Because just when I thought it wasn't going to happen is when I booked Oranges in a Black. Yeah. So you have to keep going. Oh, uh, that's amazing. I feel like that just like speaks to my soul right now. So thank you so much for sharing that wisdom. And thank you so much for being a guest on Creator Club. I have loved chatting with you and getting to know more about your story. Thank you so much for having me. It's truly, truly an honor. And I can't wait till this episode comes out just because I want to tell everyone about you. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you so much. I want to tell everybody about you. So speaking of that, why don't you let everybody know where can they find you on social media and follow all of your content? So you can find me at YouTube. My uh, channel name is just the Miriam Morales. It's just my name. And for Instagram, just my name, Miriam Morales. Twitter, Miriam Morales. <laughs> and for Facebook, it's the Miriam Morales. So, and my website is the Miriam And I have tons of blog posts there and sign up for my newsletter and stay up to date with everything that I have going on. Awesome. And all of that will be linked in the show notes. So definitely go check out Miriam. Thanks again so much for being on the podcast. Thank you so much. And I hope everyone's doing well and staying safe. Yeah. All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Creator Club podcast. If you listen to this entire episode, I want to know who you are send me a DM on Instagram at Katie Steckley so we can chat. Do you want to be part of the official creator club? You can join my insider squad Facebook group by going to katiesteckley.com club. I'd love to see you there. 
Finally, if you're looking for more value-packed content like this, check out my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Katie. Go to my channel and search Instagram hacks, and I promise you won't be disappointed. If you want to hear more episodes like this and support this show to continue, please leave me a review in iTunes. It really helps me out, and you just might get featured on the next episode as the review of the week. Leave your IG handle in the review so I can give you a shout out. Again, thanks so much for listening, and as always, I hope you are having adventures and following your dreams, and I'll catch you next week, Creator Club.